I just learned the best spell of all. What's that? Sleep. Welcome back to My Alchemical Bromance. I'm Eric Arneson, and in this episode, I'm joined by Ryan Butler, medieval astrologer, cat owner, podcaster, and alphabetical occultist. We're going to talk about astrology, astrological and planetary magic, the Picatrix, which I feel is becoming kind of a theme, and other awesome astrology stuff. Ryan is brilliant. This is a great conversation. You're, you're going to be glad you're here. Okay. Now, I'm going to remind you again, maybe at the beginning of every episode, that we are listener-supported. So through Arnomancy Patreon, for just $1 a month, you get early access to episodes, you get bonus content, and that's all at patreon.com slash Arnomancy. All right, now on to the interview. All right, again, so I recorded this one on a Saturday, and I didn't know that construction workers worked so much on Saturdays, so once again, there's construction noise. I promise it'll all be over. Probably sometime within the next 30 to 150 episodes, there will no longer be construction noise in the background of my interviews. Enjoy the episode. Okay, so Ryan Butler. That's me. Um, I guess I, the, the first question I would like to ask you is how mm. did you get into astrology? <laughs> so I, I honestly, I really hate getting this question because most people, usually this question comes up um, like at dinner at astrology conferences and everybody's just kind of talking like, oh, you know, how'd you get into astrology? And most people have like really kind of serious like pivotal moments in their life mm -hmm. where they're introduced to astrology that explains something about what's been going on with them. Like people have had like chronic illnesses and then they discover astrology and like as they get deeper into it, they realize that the astrology timing kind of matches up with how their illness, you know, was diagnosed or when the symptoms first started or like people go through other kinds of personal crises that they are able to explore and kind of explain to themselves with astrology. And so on the one hand, it gives them, you know, meaning to their lives. And then it at the same time verifies astrology for them. Like they see it really closely up front, like in a really personal way. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, <laughs> I first got into astrology because in the 11th grade, we had to do a, a research paper on a topic like we just had to pick a topic and do a research paper on it uh-huh and the teacher gave us a list of like topics that we could choose as far as like prompts but we could we had the ability to pick kind of anything as long as the teacher got approval of it mm -hmm. um but astrology was one of the things on the list that she just kind of threw out there whether or not she actually meant like astronomy i do not know <laughs> but, um, but I picked that one and I don't really know why I picked it, uh, specifically. It didn't pull me very strongly, mm -hmm. uh, knowing me, it was probably because it's an A word and it was at the top of the list. <laughs> that's going to be my, that's my guess. Knowing myself in the 11th grade, that was probably why I picked it. I didn't want to read too far down because like abortion was probably taken a B, you know? And so astrology was probably next. And I was like, that one sounds fine. I'll do that. So that's how I got started kind of going into it more. Um, and then I went to the local library, which is still a thing that we did back in 2005. And I found um, 
astrology for dummies like they mm-hmm. had like a literal you know the for dummies series about astrology and i found that and it kind of went all the way down from there that i just picked up this subject had to do like a report on it talking about it and explaining it and you know going into like the history of it and stuff like that and then now here i am all right so, but but the but the here that you're at now isn't sort of like typical modern astrology because you've okay. really kind of embraced sort of a an older paradigm right so right so you don't write you don't write a sun sign column for no. the for the local newspaper or anything you do like real astrology i do my best to do real astrology <laughs> what what do you uh, how so how did that happen like what what changed your mind did something disillusion you about uh, modern astrology or did you just get all nerdy one day and get like the oldest book you could find and be like oh this doesn't this is different <laughs> this is different no um so i okay so one of my cats likes to get in the in the drawers and he's scratching at it this is my this is the other aspect of my life um i'm just ruled by cats and mm-hmm. their whims so prepare yourself for that is that but, uh, um, leo that's like uh you've got leo in your ascendant or something and <laughs> i just i have cats in my in my every house cats in so, every house in every house um but yeah so that i did start off with you know the modern kind of astrology but i was aware of like this older mm-hmm. part of it in the background because of this report that i had to do where i talked about the history of astrology so i knew you know even from a very early getting started i knew you know astrology originated in babylon and you know in egypt and synthesized together and then you know greco uh hellenistic astrology happened and all that i, I knew all that was there um but the first books that I got were were not that, were not about that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and that switch happened. At the time, I was active in a, um, in a forum, in an astrology forum. Mm-hmm. And one of, I, I formed a close friendship with one of the other members there. And for Christmas one year, they sent me William Lilly's Christian Astrology. Oh, Really? And that's, yeah, and that's what what did it. Um, because that individual was really good at horary. And mm-hmm. then he was like, I know you can do this. And so he sent me the book. And I have this thing where, like, when people send me things or, like, make things for me or get things for me, I, I, I do them, whatever it is, just because that's, like, the the thing that you do, I guess. Like, you yeah. appreciate Gifts. at least I do at least like I appreciate gifts I appreciate the gesture and even if I don't really like it I still do it mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know yeah it's polite look, look at me the martyr so you know you know 17 year old me the last thing I wanted to do was read a book from the 1650s and struggle with the language of it but I did um, mm-hmm. because it was a gift at the time and then I was like oh this is great um, and that's what kind of started that whole thing well let's okay hold on let's go back uh, just a little bit Explain to uh, the audience who William Lilly was. Okay. Um, so William Lilly was a English astrologer. Um, he was very, uh, he was a very prominent writer from like the 15 or the, sorry, <laughs> from the 1640s um, until his mm-hmm. death in this, I think the early 1670s. Um, and he kind of really came to fame through the English civil war. He was primarily a horary astrologer, which is the astrology of, asking questions, mm-hmm. casting the chart for the time the question is asked and using that chart to get insight or information or answers to the question. Um, so a really kind of direct, immediately applicable 
style of astrology that today is a little bit um, harder to to get, or maybe not to get, sorry, but it's definitely not your entry point mm-hmm. to astrology. Um, so it has a lot more direct and really kind of mundane applications that can be really helpful for people struggling with very specific things. Um, so he wrote a book, well, three books technically, Christian Astrology, and um, that book was important because it was one of the first astrology books, maybe the first astrology book that was ever written in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, because before that, they were typically written in Latin, and you know not everybody could read Latin because you can only do that if you were educated. Um, so his book came out in English, and that was really significant because then, as we got closer to the modern era, and we lost a lot of texts that were originally written in Arabic and Greek and Latin because we didn't have anybody to translate them. We always had good old Lily mm-hmm. and his plain old his <laughs> plain old English to get us through. But at the same time, so like Lily, uh, I read, uh, I think it was uh, Solomon's Secret Arts, a book that came out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I think that was it. There was another book that came out around the same time, and I get it mixed up in my memory now. But uh, but it talked a little bit about Lily and how like that period of time, like right after him or maybe even during his life, was kind of almost like the birth of modern astrology, like modern astrology, like astrology started to become really popular. So um, yeah. some of the astrological forecasting books um yeah almanacs became like really big oh yeah they started time. selling better and than it, the bible even they, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shh, don't tell them that. um <laughs> but yeah yeah almanacs it became like a really big period for almanacs and that was like a combination of a couple things you know we had mm-hmm. the printing press now we had the uh like the printers guild lost the ability to control what was actually printed and um, disseminated to the population mm-hmm. so there was like a lot of really good Lily hit like the really great like the really great time slot <laughs> in history to, to get out there and a lot of people kind of followed his um, example or maybe wrote his coattails or you know mm-hmm. joined up on the wave that he was sort of on the crest of do you think and and then so so he, he might have been even like the last of the classical astrologers or he was sort of during that period where astrology became more i don't know like watered down for the masses or or changed for mass consumption do you think uh i mean there's always kind of been a uh there's always kind of been a demand for the watered down or like more popular kinds of astrology almanacs are not new Mm -hmm. um because even in like you know the 1500s before that you would have almanacs which would maybe not get so deep in like the astrology itself but you know the writers would use astrology to come up with their lists of like lucky and unlucky days for this or that so it was kind of there in the background but i think that somewhere around that time period the astrology started to probably be talked about a bit more and kind of been pushed into the front to where it didn't have to necessarily hide behind like lucky and unlucky days which were kind of like mysteriously chosen for people who maybe you know wouldn't know Mm mm-hmm kind of like how people feel the same kind of mystique around sun sign horoscopes. Yeah. Like, oh uh, yeah, you know, they sound mysterious, but once you figure out how they do them, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> and sun sign horoscopes, that's the astrology that almost everybody knows. Right. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, how do they do it? Like, how is it done? <laughs> um, well, primarily they will use the ones that are written by actual astrologers, not just kind of made up, I should say. Um, they primarily use what's called solar houses. So mm-hmm. what they'll do is they'll say, oh, I'm going to write for the sun sign, cancer, whatever. So they'll take cancer and they'll put it in like the first house position. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they'll just kind of read everything kind of based off of that. So Cancer becomes the first house, Leo becomes the second. And so they'll be like, oh, Cancer, this month, you know, Mars retrogrades back into your um, seventh house because Capricorn would be the seventh from Cancer. And they'll build that kind of interpretation based on that. So do you think that uh, behind the scenes of some of the, the sun sign horoscope stuff, there are sort of real astrologers who have? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so then so then there's just sort of some sort of disconnect between the presentation of astrology to the public and what astrologers are doing in their in their private practice or whatever. I think there's a lot of conflation between because I made them comment about like real astrologers writing your sun sign horoscopes. And that's a thing that doesn't happen super often, especially in like major publications where uh -huh. most people will consume their horoscopes or, you know, initially run into them. Um, but there are a lot of really great astrologers who, you know, use astrology in constructing their um, in their sun sign horoscopes, whether they're weekly, daily, monthly, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but they're usually on their own websites primarily. But there are a few people who um, who do write for um, publications that are actual astrologers. So it's a it's a little bit of a everything. What do you think is the best um, like published sun sign horoscope stuff? Like, do you have examples of uh, of publications that seem to be doing it right? Well, I know Annabelle Gatt um, writes the horoscopes for Broadly, and she's been involved in the astrological community in the past. And I know that she has taken um, like classes in horary astrology and things like that. So she would be one who I know for sure. Like I could be like, yes, that person with that publication. Mm -hmm. um, the others, um, I have a hard time pinning down for whom they write. Because mm -hmm. I know Kelly Surtees has also written columns in the past, um, but I don't know for which publications or whether or not that's still a thing that she's doing, or if that was just kind of like, you know, for a moment of time and she's moved on. Um, so that's my, I need to, I guess I need to be more, on, more up on what people are doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe you don't. <laughs> um, so what are your cat's names? Uh, I have many cats. So <laughs> okay, top so, ten, top ten cat is, names. This one is Khan. Khan. This one. Oh, that's this funny. Khan. I have a cat named Kubla. Ah, oh, Kubla that's Khan. Hot. Kubla Khan. Yeah. Um, and he is staring at the space and on the hutch of my desk that he would like to jump into. So there's his face <laughs> and his ears. Um. Oh, and here's his brother. This is his brother Lee. Oh, that's a cute cat. Yeah, he's that's my soulmate. Well, that's nice. So, yeah, and they're just gonna chill with me. They're right. chill with me for a while. I can see the uh, chair in your background is a is a cat favorite too. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's kind of yeah. what my chair looks like. <laughs> well, that was my old computer chair, and then I switched uh, to this mesh one, so they couldn't scratch it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, all right. So you started learning astrology. Uh, you read William Lilly when you were seventeen years old. <sighs> Yeah, I, I feel that way about William Lilly now. Like, it was I, actually kind of funny. It was one of those things that, because it was like, I had to read, I was had to read, <laughs> had to read William Lilly. Um, but I was like also reading like Shakespeare in English class. So mm -hmm. I kind of was like getting a, a like a grip of the language and how it's like constructed. And, yeah, you know, because yeah. Lilly writes not like we speak today. So it was kind of a fun timing, just like the the material I was reading for like class and how it was very similar 
in kind of word style mm-hmm. um, as Lily. So I had a little bit of help going through it. That's nice. But, um, and then did you kind of get a, did you kind of start to understand when you're reading Lily? So uh, uh, hold on. I, I have a different question, I guess. <laughs> now, so nowadays when you're doing astrology, do you still kind of go back to Lily's stuff or what sort of, um, what sort of material do you t- tend to focus on now? Yeah, so um, I started with Lily, and I refer to his stuff every now and again, but my kind of primary source for a lot of stuff is Guido Bonatti. Guido Bonatti. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I've so never heard of in him. 2007, I think, Ben Dykes started translating um, the complete uh, book of astronomy, which was Bonatti's kind of like grand, like magnum opus on astrology. And um it's like um how many volumes is it it's like 10 volumes um well it's like 1500 pages and it covers everything in astrology and hey mm-hmm. we're not gonna have that here um <laughs> cat fights and um so it just kind of covers everything like the first few books are basics and everything's really well explained and then he does like horary and elections and mundane astrology and natal astrology. So he just kind of covers everything. And it was a really great kind of one-stop shop to get everything. Because another thing that Bonatti is really well known for is citing sources. So he'll be like, Abu Mashar does it this way. And, you know, according to Al-Qayyat, he does it this way. And Al-Qabisi does it this way. And, you know, I like this way better. So we're going to go do it this way. So he's very good about name dropping mm-hmm. uh, other people which is great if you're me and you want primary sources because then it's like abu mashar is my next stop like that's kind of your next stop going backwards um so he guido Bonatti kind of introduced me to this um, lineage of other authors that i hadn't heard from um up to that point mm-hmm. and so then um you know the collection started amassing and then so what what era was Bonatti? like when did he oh Bonatti was um 1200s oh that's old yeah, pretty old. Um, and then his primary sources tend to be mostly Arabic, you think? Yeah, his is um, like between 850 and um, um, so 850 kind of starts us off with like, mashallah, he quotes him a lot. And then I think our latest one is, um, well, his latest primary source would probably be, um, Al-Kabisi was right after that. Um, Abu Mashar, I think, was um, no Abu Mashar is like nine sixties. Um, somebody, I used to have this list. I used to have like a timeline of mm-hmm. astrologers drawn out, like when people passed, um, kind of like they're estimated when they were born and like when their work came out. I used to have mm-hmm. a timeline of that. I don't have it anymore. Um, but yeah, so let me think for a second. I gotta do some Google. Oh, you're thinking it's Google. Yeah, right now it is. So, okay, Alcabisi was kind of later, 960s, I was right. Uh, Abu Bashar, yeah, it's 880s, that's right. Um, oh, Al-Rajal, that's the guy I'm thinking of. Al-Rajal. 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 Oh, wait, I have Al-Rajal. seen that name before. Yeah, he's... um. Um, I think kind of the big work that we have from him is a work on electional astrology, which is in Ben Dykes's compilation Choices and Inceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's he's one of the later ones. Later, <laughs> well, before twelve. Relatively speaking, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay, so, all right. And then, so you've mentioned uh, horary, electional, natal, like all of these different types of astrology. They all sort of use the same kind of method of, or they all, they all look at the planets in the same way and the houses in the same way. Um, no, you're making a, uh, you're making well, a motion like, with your head. That, that was is. like a, that was like a yes, no. Uh-huh. Um, one of the important things with astrology is that it always means the same thing all the time. It's just uh-huh. the context of what we're looking at changes. So it's like, do they always view the planets in the same way? Yes, but also how we use that changes based on what our what we're wanting to do is. Okay. Um, so that would be my my complicated answer <laughs> to that and my cattail. It is. <laughs> It's a, Enjoy that. Yeah, it's a beautiful cattail. It's, Come on, just get up there if you want up there. Here. No, which <laughs> like hit his head on it. He was like, wait, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so, all right, but like, um, so natal astrology is birth charts. That's like, yes. you know, where everything is right when you are born. Are born. Uh, what's the difference between horary and electional? Horary astrology is asking a question and having the universe kind of respond to you with a chart and is like, here's your answer. Oh, so it's, uh, that's like, like just straight old question asking more, divination. Yeah, it's more divination based. Um, well, uh, yeah, straight old asking, asking question divination. Uh, I'd argue that astrology in general is pretty divinatory regardless of yeah. the way that you're applying it. Uh, but it's it's much more, it's got much more the feeling of say like I Ching or, you know, the tarot. It's got mm-hmm. much more of that direct kind of simplified, let's just get to the bottom of this yes, no, maybe so, and how do I do it, feel to it. So horary is ask a question, you get the chart for that question, and then you just kind of deal with it. So you have to, you know, interpret that chart and figure out kind of what you can do with it or, you know, what the situation is, how you can change it and what the likely outcome is. Um, And then electional is kind of the backwards version of it, where instead of asking a question to get an answer, you try to find a moment in time which is most auspicious to whatever you're trying to do mm-hmm. um, to basically make the answer be yes, right? So horary is like, will my business succeed? And you're hoping for a yes answer from the universe at that specific moment in time. But electional astrology is more like, I want my business to succeed. When is the best time to do that, mm-hmm. to get the best foundation available within a certain time frame to be as successful as possible? So when you ask a question of horary astrology, mm-hmm. um, how complete does how complete a, a chart do you have to build before you kind of get an answer for it? Like, because I mean, like calculating a chart can take a little while, right? You can, especially. Just, well, I mean, now you do it with a computer. But I was about to say, days, I was like, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to assume with some practice, you just you type it into your. Yeah. Your astrology software, it pops up and you're sort of like, ooh, you probably ooh, should have yeah. asked this an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, right. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but like in the old days, uh, a horary reading, you know, you'd have to like consult your ephemeris and you'd have to, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. How do you, how much of the computation is necessary before you can offer an answer that makes any sense? Um, I mean, I think that all of it is probably necessary, but it's probably one of those things to where like you kind of <laughs> like you kind of feel the way it's going to go as you're filling out the chart. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, oh, I, I don't know about this, y'all. 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then you're probably just hoping that like Jupiter is actually in the first house this whole time. And you're just like waiting to get to that part <laughs> to see if it's any better. <laughs> I imagine uh, people in or astrologers in the past probably paid a lot more attention to the sky. So they would probably. Yeah. they Yeah. They probably had like a good idea of where things were roughly. Yeah. And I would imagine like the only big question like the only kind of difficult task for them to do would have been to like calculate the ascendant mm -hmm. and then like get the houses. But then, yeah, they probably know like what degree the Zodiac, Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, the sun, they probably have a good idea of that. Yeah. Um, kind of all the time and they just fill it in. Um, but yeah, it's that, that pesky ascendant and that moon, those quick things, you got to nail them down. Freaking 14 degrees a day. Chill. Jeez. <laughs> um, and then uh, with electional astrology, this is something that I've actually I've I've been wanting to figure out like where I could find software that did this. Like, let's say I'm doing some electional astrology, and I'm like, you know, mm -hmm. I really want Mars to be in, you know, Aries or something like whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you is there any software out there where you can just sort of put in a search term like when will Mars be in Aries, and it'll tell you like, oh, you know, it'll be March of 2019 or something. Um, I'm not. Um... I'm not aware of any program that does it that way specifically. Um, Solar Fire might just because Solar Fire, like if you have a question of does the software and astrology do this, it's probably Solar Fire. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm not, I'm not super familiar with the program that does it that way. I just use Janus and I have little buttons to click that move the chart forward so many increments of time. So I have to go and look for it. Okay. I should probably write something then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, fine. Knock yourself out. Uh, it's I've I've looked at it. I've looked at it. There's there's a lot of like free ephemeris databases available, but then like writing all the software to take care of it, it's it's I, a mess. I, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Um, and then all right. So and do you do so? Do, would you consider yourself a professional astrologer? Yeah, absolutely. And um, what kind of questions do you get the most of? Like or horary, election? Um. It kind of shifts with the time because mm -hmm. um, I notice that sometimes I have like a concentration of this kind of work and then that kind of dies down and suddenly like everybody in the grandma wants this other kind of work and it's just like, what is happening? Are you all getting together and having a meeting about <laughs> how to like when to do this? Um, so in the past, it was much more horary based, but for the past year and a half, it's been a lot more electional mm -hmm. stuff um, and that's fine. <laughs> and with electional, I mean, so is it questions of like, you know, when should we get married or when do we buy a house or, or like what sort um, of things do people tend to um, worry some of about? It's like, um, when should I um, like accept this promotion mm -hmm. kind of thing? Or like, when should my first day in this kind of office be? Or oh. um, when's the best surgeries when I get a lot? Uh -huh. um, like what's the best time to get a surgery so you know x y and z get done whether it's like the surgery is successful or i heal quickly or all of those things or you know something um what's another one um surgery is my more recent ones um now that i'm actually i've had a lot of surgery ones now that i'm thinking about it that's funny <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like trying to go. I'm trying to like play back my last few in my head, and I'm like surgery, surgery, surgery. <laughs> like, wow, this is a this is a pattern now. <laughs> and so that actually, I I just thought of something else that I've always thought was really curious about astrology. So astrology used to be used for like a diagnosis, mm -hmm. uh, um, and the different signs are attached to, 
you know, different humors and different parts of the body and different organs. Um, have you have you looked at that at all? Have you played with that at all or read about it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is it something um, that people still try to use? Um, define people. Um, human beings with legs. Uh, in general, in general, probably not. But yeah. some of us crazy ones probably do. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, that's that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what a lot of my horrors tend to be about is not like that specifically, but um, one of the big things that people worry about is like the accuracy of medical testing and like false positives or false negatives. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing that I get pretty often is like, um, you know, is this like, should I get a second opinion about this? Or, you know, like what is the cause of this because sometimes you know doctors will think it's one thing and then oh actually it's this other thing mm-hmm. um uh, so i get things like that a lot and yeah that system of correspondence between the zodiac signs and the planets and parts of the body and organs are very helpful in kind of narrowing down what the what the issue is or like what kind of like auxiliary uh concerns or problems are okay that's interesting uh, did you do a um, a uh, astrological reading about uh, recording this podcast? No, so we'll just have Ooh. to see what happens. Okay. <laughs> I know that Saturn went direct. Yeah, everybody's think... direct now. It's great. Everything's great. Oh, yeah. Well, I figure, you know. <laughs> just keep going. Everything's great. <laughs> um, all right. So when you're looking back at, like, the history of astrology, you've got uh, sort of you know, more emphasis. So first of all, like there's more emphasis on stuff that isn't just like the sun sign or, uh, or your ascendant and stuff like that. You've got like the houses and the different planets and all of their aspects and the angles and all that kind of crap. You also have stuff like, uh, there's two things that, that I've really wanted to learn more about. First of all, one of them is the fixed stars Mm -hmm. and the other one is the mansions of the moon. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the fixed stars first. Like what, okay. what happened to them? How can people don't pay as much attention to the fixed stars anymore? I mean, I know um, they're still up there. I look at them every night. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think a lot of it is that the fixed stars are not used very heavily in the tradition of astrology. So it's kind of like, well, what do we do with these? Um, they're mentioned every now and again, and it, they're but they're more like um, adjectives to a noun. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So okay. they're just like, they're not they're not super important. And well, I shouldn't say they're not super important because they are when they pop up, but they just don't pop up all the time mm-hmm. um, for people. And I think they, okay. So the first problem is they're not used a lot. The second problem is there's a fuck ton of them. So how do we figure out which ones we do and don't want? And mm-hmm. that's a question that uh, people struggle apparently with making distinctions between what's useful and what isn't. Okay. Um, so it's like, well, you know, if I use this fixed star, then why, you know, then then do I have to use all of them? Uh, and that's a fair question. But oh, yeah. So so that's the thing that that hangs people up about them. The other part is that a lot of the fixed stars have very extreme interpretations surrounding them, mm-hmm. um, and that can be difficult to weave into what are typically pretty mediocre lives. <laughs> Um, well, it's true. I mean, yeah, and true. I say that even about myself. Like, I have a mediocre life, like most of us do. That's what the word means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's hard to really resonate with, like, you know, 
oh, you'll be gifted with military honors. And I'm just like, no, no, I will not. <laughs> like, right, under I no mean, circumstances will that happen. Yeah, I mean, so that, that fixed star is in the same place for everybody, so. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard to it's hard to personalize them in that way. Or when they do, they're just kind of personalized in, like, very extreme uh, ways that people don't want to identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of that. And there's also this... Um, current of the fixed stars being used a lot in like magical practices mm-hmm. that um modern astrology uh kind of backed itself away from very quickly so there's that modern so those astrology. are the problems okay. those are the problems with the fixed stars ryan's top five problems with the fixed stars <laughs> astrology there's a blog post for you yeah yes <laughs> um yeah i mean modern astrology really doesn't enjoy its association with magic if it doesn't it's it kind of tries to run away um okay and then the mansions of the moon okay yeah that one's kind of an interesting story i think um because the mansions of the moon never really caught on with like natal astrology like specifically especially in the west in the east like in um in yodish astrology mm-hmm. they're they're like the main thing um really so yeah a lot of people there's like um okay i'm going to talk about things that i only very vaguely understand so here's your here's your disclaimer about wait this. wait hold on first uh, <laughs> tell people what mansions of the moon are oh sure so the mansions of the moon are essentially a kind of lunar zodiac that's special to the moon that divides up the ecliptic based on the average motion of the moon. So there are 28 or 27, 28 mansions of the moon um, because it takes, because the moon um, goes around the earth in 28 days. Mm-hmm. So every day the moon is in a different mansion and they're kind of anagal- an- they're kind of analogous to the zodiac signs of the sun. So the, they have this little kind of like lunar feel to them. That's why they're called the Mansions of the Moon. And um, like each one has a specific meaning or like specific imagery. And it's not uncommon in like Yodish astrology for people who are born with the moon in specific uh, lunar mansions to have like a certain syllable or like a certain um sound in their name really so yeah so they'll use a lot there's this um like this tradition about like having a part of your name kind of reflect the lunar mansion that you're in or were born in huh. um and so but the, it's it's a much more of a prevalent practice the lunar mansions in general in like yodish astrology and indian styles of astrology than it is in the west um I'm not exactly sure why that is probably things like racism um, and whatnot, because of somewhere around the Renaissance, we started to hate Brown people in astrology. And that's, that's the thing that happened. Mm. Um, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess every list of mansions, of the moon that I've seen, the mansions all have Arabic names or names that are obviously descended from Arabic. Yeah. Uh, and there's this kind of question about whether or not the Arabic mansions and the um, the Indian mansions developed separately, then came together, and then kind of split mm-hmm. ways at some point. Um, because the most obvious problem with that is that the Western mansions there are twenty eight, but in the um, the in the Eastern style with the the Indian astrology, there's twenty seven. But then the Chinese have a um, lunar mansion system that also has twenty eight. 
So that's two for 28. Hmm. Obviously, it's 27 and two thirds. <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> the golden mean fallacy. <laughs> Uh, that's interesting. And so, um, like in a lot of uh, astrological magic, the mansions of the moon are prevalent also, or at least like, you know, like if yeah. you look in the Picatrix and such. Yeah. Uh, even, a, well, I mean, I was trying to think like Agrippa doesn't really say, well, does Agrippa talk about the mansions of the moon? I can't remember. I honestly couldn't recall. Yeah. Um, he, well, he must because it's, um, because Francis Barrett talks about them in his Omegas, and he basically copies a lot of. Um, That's true. He pretty much just... for his for his stuff, so it must be in there somewhere. I do um, know that there's but... this quote in Agrippa where he's like, "Anytime you're doing any kind of astrological magic, you have to pay attention to what the moon's doing. Everything goes to the moon in the end. So if the yeah. if the moon is badly aspected, or the moon is, you know, uh, what is it, combusted, or the moon is doing, do yeah. Um, and it's also interesting in. Um, I think it's in one of the Solomonic grimoires. There are these things that talk about like these are the days of the moon in which you can do this action. Yeah, and so that's lunar mansions. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't explicitly call out mansions, but it does mention mm-hmm. like specific days. Yeah, that's um, it's funny. Uh, one of the books I'm reading right now, the Cunning Man's Handbook, talks about dream interpretation based on the day, like the age of the moon, which is basically the same thing. Is that a good book? Yeah, I I've, love it. I've heard of it a few times. I haven't really looked it up yet. Um. So yeah, um, but the lunar mansions actually come out a lot in um, electional astrology as sort of like the um, 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 what would I call this? Electional astrology for dummies, maybe. Uh-huh. Like you know, if you don't have the skills to calculate entire uh, charts to pick the best time to do something just you know use the lunar mansion like is this a good day for this well let's go and consult our our lunar mansion book where's the where's the moon what mansion is she in what kind of activities is this mansion good for let's do those um what activities is is this mansion not good for let's do those tomorrow um (laughs) that kind of thing okay so there's a there's an undercurrent of them in election in like intellectual astrology but it's almost like a like a basic level of it Mm-hmm. that doesn't really seem to get built into more advanced applications of it. So like you'll have it mentioned in like the beginning of texts where it'll it'll list where all the lunar mansions are and what they like what they're um useful for and whatnot. But then as you get into the book and you're starting to read about like specific electional templates, like, well, how do you like what what things do you need to look for when you're trying to sell your house? The lunar mansion isn't really ever mentioned at all okay and that so it's not like you know make sure the moon's applying an aspect to jupiter while she's in the third lunar mansion mm-hmm. it's just like we like we, we learned about lunar mansions and we're done we're done with that <laughs> so it's just it's like one of those weird kind of beginner things or basic things that doesn't ever get it's not used as a base for the like for more advanced techniques so i don't really it, it's kind of a weird thing and that might be another that might be a reason why the lunar mansions um kind of got dropped off because they're just kind of like this um almost folk like almost folklore kind of thing like Mm -hmm. more more entry-level thing that as you got better at um computing placements and you know knowing where things were and how to do it you didn't really need anymore because you could do much more advanced much more specific kind of things and whether that implies that lunar mansion signification can be overridden uh by more exact planetary placements or not 
I can't say I didn't write those books. <laughs> so, do you use the lunar mansions very much in your in your stuff? Not in elections, so guilty uh, for that also. But lunar mansions are how I got started with astrological magic. Let's talk about so that. I um, I'm a big fan of lunar mansions. How did you? So what made? How did you make the transition from like learning <laughs> from astrology, astrology to crazy astrology? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's go crazy. I, I, I like, don't think I, I have like, like a specific. I mean, I have like moments where I was like, yes, but I don't remember how I got started with electional astrology specifically, or not. Sorry, astrological magic specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm. I must have found out about it through like renaissanceastrology.com. Mm-hmm. Um, things like like those are things that I can think of. <sighs> really? Did that cat just knock something off? Yeah, he threw Padamon at me. <laughs> this is my Padamon. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I just got attacked by my own Padamon. So that's embarrassing. But um. <laughs> But yeah, so I must have figured out about astrological magic through Renaissance astrology or, you know, I was a part of that forum for a few years mm-hmm. before I eventually left it. So I'm sure it came up in there somewhere. So I don't know. Somehow I got um, I got introduced to the concept and I went and I got, oh, I'm trying to think what was, because back then you didn't really have a lot of sources you could read i mean you had agrippa um, yeah but um, um but like pulling useful stuff out of agrippa that's it's like it's jumping into the deep end <laughs> <laughs> but um i'm not exactly sure how i got uh going with it but i know that renaissance astrology was there in the background and um for i started reading books or I started reading stuff about it and all of like the talismans were described as like you know go get yourself um a plate of gold <laughs> uh, and inscribe a scorpion on it, okay? And then take it and wash water over it and then have somebody who's been stung by a scorpion drink that and they're fine. And I'm like, okay, uh, do you have any gold I can borrow real quick? <laughs> so really kind of ornate things that I have no access to or like the skill set to be able to utilize. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, I don't have the ability to like engrave the image of a man with a sorted shield onto an iron ring. Hard pass. Um, so I didn't really want to, like I wanted to do it, but I was like, okay, give me something I can do. Mm-hmm. Like, like level one, give me something I can do. So that was a struggle that I had for a long time. And then I, I had kind of taught myself how to do like horary and electional astrology just from reading the books but when it came to astrological magic i was very afraid Mm -hmm. to give it a shot because i was like listen like these are spirits and shit and i (laughs) can't just jump on in and expect everything to be fine like it was for you know horary and electional astrology because this is just like a totally different thing Mm -hmm. and the last thing that i want to do is like curse myself (laughs) upset some mars spirit um yeah like i don't want to do those things so i was very kind of concerned about that and i wanted anything <laughs> to give me uh peace of mind mm-hmm. structure um you know a checklist uh anything literally anything and so one thing that i found was christopher warnock who uh does the renaissance astrology site 
he had a mansions of the moon mini course mm-hmm. on like using astrology and you know getting started with astrological magic specifically with the moon mansions and that was really good because one it was it was pretty cheap which is great um and it wasn't like super intensive about astrological magic mm-hmm. in like in general it was like a very specialized thing you have 28 mansions learn them figure out what they can do and you know knock yourself out so it seemed like a very great entry point to it and it was it was really great um and i was surprised at how easy everything was because Mm -hmm. i had like talked up in my head as being this like oh that's everything um so but it was it was fine it was really great resource and i recommend it to people who are trying to keep cats from digging in the drawer like in their desk drawers and things like that and all kinds of stuff but no i really recommend it to people who are trying to uh, get started and feel like they need something to you know to show them how it goes and that's something i've been very focused on is getting more people who are interested but apprehensive to just take the plunge because if i had known that it was going to be so easy and kind of like so uh intuitive or natural or whatever the word you want to use is to get into it and figure it out and just know how to do it i would have done it like a year or so ago because i was literally like petrified to get started for such a long period of time right so and it's one of those things that like i kick myself for it's like why are you so worried about this so when you make um when you do like a uh astrological talisman for instance using the mansions (laughs) of the moon are you using gold plates or what do you what do you do so another conversation that happened well not another conversation because i never talked about a first conversation um but around um the the first United Astrology Conference I went to in 2012, um, I met Austin and Caitlin Kopic. I don't think they were actually married at this time, though, but I can't remember what Caitlin's last name was. So sorry, Caitlin. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter now. Uh, but I met them for the first time, and they were much more involved in astrological magic than I was because I was still petrified. Um, and I had asked them about about that like you know well what do i do if i don't have you know diamonds to engrave and things like that and i I think it was caitlin who said just use paper Mm -hmm. like paper is fine um don't worry about it being pretty or you know attractive it's just for you and for whatever purpose you made it for and don't worry so much about like really expensive ornate material because the kinds of configurations that happen that you would want to commit that kind of funding to don't come along that often. And if that's the only Mm. kind of astrological magic you're going to do, you're not going to do it very much. Right. And like that really hit me just the right way, like just the right moment in time that I was like, I'm on it. Oh, that makes total (laughs) sense. It's like, if you've got, uh, you know, a job interview coming up and you're like, I just need a little bit of mercury in my life. Yeah, sure. You don't need to, go through the whole process of you know yeah finding somebody to you know get you know hot like precious mercury stones and you know silver mm-hmm. and you know meld it into the shape of mercury yeah it's like just you know wait till sunrise on wednesday and make sure mercury's in a good place and just draw yourself a little mercury symbol and there you go knock yourself out right. so that was that's the thing that i try to pass on to people a lot too is like you know just use paper paper's fine it'll get the job done and then as you get better at looking for 
um, you know, configurations that you want or, you know, things that you think you might need mm -hmm. in, you know, a year out or whatever, then you can save up, find yourself somebody who's into it and, you know, can, and you can commission like a legit piece from them mm -hmm. and then you can have it. But it's like one of those, you know, once a year kind of things right. where we'll have like those really great elections where it's like get in on this because this isn't happening again for you know another 10 years or something but that's just like you know you need those you need those paper talismans you need those you know candle talismans you need mm -hmm. those kinds of you need those kinds of accessible things to get you into it like that's your those are your push-ups essentially in astrological magic like mm -hmm. learning what kind of configurations you can use, learning what kinds of things different spirits like, learning how they can work for you, learning which ones don't like you. Um, like you need that, <laughs> you need that exercise in picking elections and learning how different things come out and knowing how to avoid those in the future. Because the last thing you want is to not be very good at picking elections. And mm -hmm. then now you're stuck with this gold ring that you sunk $2,000 in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that you know, isn't going to work for you because you, you know, you didn't have the experience to know to look out for this thing. Oh, that makes, all right. That's, that makes good sense. That's good advice actually, I think. Um, yeah. And so that's why, you know, I'm, I'm all about trying to get people into it and get people started. And that's why I started doing the, um, I started making the, the planetary magic starter packs on uh -huh. my website where I like lay it all out and I build, um, like specific um, herbal things for people to use for, for specific planets and kind of teach them how to like get started and what to do. And then it's very basic and kind of very non-descriptive mm -hmm. in some ways. So it's like, this is like a very basic thing that you can do. And then you make it yours as it becomes a thing that's like, okay, this is boring and super comfortable. How can I do something better? It's like, well, you know, just do it. I have an but idea for you. That. Yes. What if, and maybe this already exists, but what about like a monthly newsletter where every month you send out a thing? You're like, this month, there are these great elections that are happening on these days. Oh, so you don't sign up to my newsletter. I see. That's fine. Well, I mean, I found your website and I read a ton of stuff. And but no, I yeah, my I saw newsletter. some of those incredible infographics you did. Those were yeah. awesome. Oh, my infographics. Um, but yeah, in my newsletter, I, I only release them quarterly because I'm not super committed to, to that newsletter life. <laughs> um, but I do have a section in it where I, I talk, where I, I list like, you know, August 23rd is a great time for like this mansion of the moon election. Mm -hmm. And I'll like link to my website where I have like a write up about what that mansion can be good for. And then if people are interested, they can, you know, contact me and be like, Oh, how do I do this? Or, you know, if they already know how to do this. And, um, a lot of times I'll share elections that I'm interested in or like that I want to get more. Uh, visibility for on social media mm -hmm. and the nina griffin um writes the um uh, magical elections article or column in the mountain astrologer so that's another oh uh, yeah i heard about that resource to go for if you're you know astrologically inclined and you um, have been interested in the mountain astrologer that's a, another good reason to grab it um and then like some a, a few other um people online will Will share elections for people to try to utilize but it's, it's one of those things that i um excuse me uh, it was one of those things that i really wanted to to get more involved in because like i said i'm really i'm all about trying to get people started like whatever i have to do to get people <laughs> to get more astrological mages in astrology whatever i have to do i'll do it 
Um, and when I was first kind of getting started, I would be a part of different like online groups, mm -hmm. like, you know, like secret Facebook groups or whatever. Um, and one thing that annoyed me was that they would always share their elections after the election had already happened. Yeah. And they would be like, oh, look at this awesome time that I found. Look at these Venus, you know, oils that I made. And I'm like, there are 1,500 other people in this group. Why didn't somebody, you tell us ahead of time? Yeah, like yeah. somebody would have gotten in on that. And so I got really annoyed with that. And I remember I was on the phone with Nina uh, talking to her. And I, I told this, I, I told her about it. And she was like, well, just be the change you want to see in the world, Ryan. And I was like, I'm on it. Yeah, I, I'm totally going to sign up for your newsletter. I, I really enjoy, uh, like, I, I, I do astrological magic also. And um, I'm not always super astute about noticing when, when good elections are yeah, coming up. Yeah, and it's, it's, they're easy but, to miss. Yeah, but, uh, but I caught Venus when Venus was exalted uh, earlier this year. Oh, nice, yeah, nice. It was, it was good. Um, what I've been using for my astrological magic talismans, especially ones I want to keep around for a little while, is Sculpey. Sculpey, what's that? It is that it is an oven bake clay. Okay. And it's yeah. basically it's basically plastic, right? But you it mm -hmm. uh it's easy to work with. Um it bakes at a pretty low temperature. So if you're getting like for me, like I I, I do a lot of uh uh talisman based magic that involves a lot more planetary correspondence stuff. So I might, you know, use like herbs and gemstones and that sort of stuff. And you can use Sculpey mm -hmm. to Just throw them on top. Oh yeah. Or you, or you <laughs> could put, you could like embed gems in it or you can yeah. do all sorts of cool stuff. It's pretty fun. It's uh, and neat. it's I'm also to... really fun. <laughs> Just, you know, playing with Play-Doh basically magic yeah. Play-Doh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. That's an interesting idea. I'll have to write that one down and, and explore that. Um, but yeah, so the, the old books about it are, you know, they have a very specific clientele in mind. Oh, they do. Um, rich people. <laughs> rich people. Uh, like one of my favorite things is um, in three books on life, Marcelio Ficino writes about how it'd be really great to grind up rubies and precious stones <laughs> and um, drink them. Uh and, oh, and I'm just like, yeah, I bet that's great. Yeah. Uh, well, people used to uh, <laughs> like grind up pearls and dissolve it in wine and drink it. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, that sounds cheapest wine so, ever. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, that, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, do you have anything I can do? <laughs> and I'll just send to that. Yeah. So, so yeah, they're, they're written for a very specific clientele. And that's not always, that doesn't always translate very well into uh, actual actional actual actionable things yeah and that's a that's a big hang up is like oh great i now have this information right right now what but i mean <laughs> so so there are uh there are cheaper alternatives that people can do yeah. like there's a lot of um there's a lot of sort of like herbal based astrological magic where you can do mm -hmm. things like you know make this tea out of a particular root yeah. or something and you have to be careful because a lot of the classical uh stuff is poisonous yeah, or we have mixed up the names and yeah. not talking about the same plant anymore. Mm hmm Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm totally going to check out your newsletter, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, and I'll tweet about it. I'll make sure, <laughs> I'll make sure everybody knows that I signed that's up right. for your newsletter. <laughs> that's right. You will. Yes. 
But so, yeah, that's how I kind of got started in it. And that's now my soapbox is getting people started in it. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds awesome. Just because it, it sounds all scary and, and like intimidating, but it's, it's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, so I, I, you know, I'm like, oh man, astrology and magic, that makes sense. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And my first real experiment with it um, was I had, I had gotten Christopher Warnock's Mansions of the Moon mini course. And, um, you know, I'm reading, I'm like, you know, this is, this is all information. This is, this is great. Um, and at the time, so this is like 2013, um, or no, this must've been late 2012. Um, but at the time, yes, it was. Cause I did this in December of that year. So at the time I was trying to get involved in lecturing like mm-hmm. at conferences for astrology like this was my this was my dream mm-hmm. at the time and so i was trying to plan on okay you know it would be really great a talisman to get me a spot that would be fantastic so i i i planned it all out and i picked the mansion that i wanted for it well the mansion that i could get that's mm-hmm. the other key part you have to use yeah. what you can get don't get too hard like don't get don't get your heart set on one specific thing you have to use what you can get um, and so I was like, I'm going to do this. And I had told a friend of mine about it and she was like, well, do you think you could do something like that for me to get a better job? Because I hate where I'm at. I was like, yeah, you know, what could go wrong? <laughs> okay. First of all, that's the wrong question to ask. Don't ask that question. <laughs> but, um, so I was like, yeah, sure. You know, why not? Um, like I'm there, I'll be, I'll be doing it anyway. So I might as well just, you know, throw another one up on the board. That's fine. So I did. So I made two talismans as my first attempt. I had one for myself to get uh, a speaking slot at the next uh, NCGR conference, which was going to be there one in 2013. And then I did one for my friend to get um, a job. And so I had already put in my application and all that mess to, to be a speaker like sometime before, like probably weeks before. And they're doing like, you know, well, we have to think about it and that whole that whole mess. Like, that's mm-hmm. fine. I get it. So I make those talismans and I'm like, you know, that was fun. Like, I would do that again. But that was fine. And then the next day I got my email that said I'd been chosen to be a speaker. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's a neat. That's kind of a cool coincidence. And then later that same day, my friend posted on Facebook that she had been hired for a different job in the company that she worked for. And I was just like, wait a second. Dude, you're a wizard. (laughs) So that's when I became a wizard. And that's when I was like, wow, there's really something to this. Because like one thing happening, that's, that's, that's neat. But then it was like, wow, like the two things on the same day Mm -hmm. was really just like, Holy fuck, guys! I think I'm magic. Oh yeah, and, I, and so that's yeah. that's when. So I went from just being like, "Oh, this sounds like a really cool thing to do. I should try it." To like, man, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. And why isn't everybody doing this? And why haven't I been doing this since I was born? It's always a good question, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's because we live in a material world, Ryan. That's true. And that's uh, absolutely true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's my origin story as far as that goes. And now I can't stop. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I mean, I believe. I think that the first, um, the first talisman, like astrological talisman, I ever made, it was years ago, and I, 
I, I'm sure I have notes somewhere that describe what I did, but I didn't know. I, I knew hardly anything about astrological magic. Like I had um, just enough to be dangerous. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd read, uh, <laughs> I'd read um, golden dawn. Um, I learned a little bit about how to make talismans out of Agrippa, but I hadn't read enough of Agrippa to read enough about like all of the timing stuff. Um, and in my recollection, it was sort of like, it was just a total dud. Like it fizzled. Oh no. Nothing happened. That's um, the worst. Yeah. But you know, since then I've, I've had a lot more luck. Like that's a- good. Astrological magic is fun stuff and it is pretty easy to, mm-hmm. to kind of figure out timing. You just have to make sure like there are things that are bad. Yeah. Right. Like just don't let, don't let Mars or Saturn like stomp on your parade and make sure that the sun's not having a crappy day. <laughs> or the moon the moon yeah, don't let the, the moon, moon have a crappy the moon day. doesn't need to have a crappy day yeah yeah um but yeah i mean that's pretty good yeah those are those are good first steps to make sure that things don't go wrong um yeah and agrippa talks a lot about sort of like timing the planets that you're trying to in trying to gain favor of in the sky like these are the houses mm-hmm. you want to go with and it, it he his you know if you make a checklist out of agrippa's chapters on it it gets a little complicated yeah, you don't want a checklist per se. Um, you just kind of need to prioritize. Uh, and it goes back to those. Um, my ph- Okay, so my philosophy when it comes to myself is different than uh, my philosophy of like the elections that are in like my newsletter or things that I share on social media. Mm-hmm. So like for myself, I'm not a risk taker per se because I do have a lot of pets and I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing that I need is for something to go wrong and affect my pets Right. that I can't like talk to and be like, are you having a good day today? Mm-hmm. You know, um, don't need pets getting sick with mystery elements mm-hmm. uh, and me discovering it way too late. Don't need that. So I'm not a risk taker per se, but I do. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm open to more <laughs> is what I'll say personally yeah. than what I am to what I, what I produce publicly. Um, and for me, a lot of it is kind of accepting the fact that there's a risk factor in every election that you do. There's always going to be a risk factor because nothing is ever going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's either you don't do it at all or you just accept the fact that life is dangerous <laughs> yeah. and uh, you just have to live with that. So, but there does come a point in time where it's too dangerous and where that is can change depending on kind of what's happening. Right. But my philosophy has always been just like, this is the good of this election. This is the potential bad. You do you. That makes sense. I try not to be like, this is the best election ever. Or like, you know, this is an election with no faults, but it's just like, you know, here's this election. It looks really great for these things, but this might be a consequence of that. And if, you know, if that is worth it to you, by all means, no judgment, knock yourself out because it doesn't mm-hmm. always matter to some people. Like sometimes you're just in a bind and you need it mm-hmm. or like you're not very heavily invested in whatever area of life. The chart is like, oh, this could stir up problems. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, be careful because your boss might not like you with this. And you're like, well, I don't like my boss, so this is fine. <laughs> how so. often do you, so do you ever <laughs> do you ever look at how um, an electional chart sort of like interacts with a needle chart? Is that a thing that is of consequence? 
Uh, yes and no. It's kind of one of those things that the source texts don't really go very heavily into. There's not like chapters on like make sure that you know that this corresponds well with the natal chart. And I I feel very strongly that astrological magic is a method that allows us to transcend or correct issues in the birth chart. Okay. So in a lot of ways, I feel like it's kind of is a little bit above the birth chart. And I know that that's a thing I can't really say. Um, it's too late. Sorry, <laughs> it'll be out there. But uh, well, yeah. hold on. I've got a I've got a, a question then. Do you think that it could be that it wasn't talked about a lot in the past because most people didn't have natal charts? That is probably that that is probably a factor into it. Absolutely. But even then, there are things. So you know, I say things like, "Oh, it's it's above the natal chart," uh, and I don't mean that as kind of like hard-fisted as it sounds mm -hmm. it's just that when i am like when i'm doing a consultation for somebody who wants me to help them pick the right time to do a talisman for a specific thing i don't really take their needle chart into consideration very strongly right. because to me one of the reasons why we're making a talisman one of the reasons why we're approaching a planetary spirit to like for something is because we're trying to fix it mm -hmm. and a lot of times that issue is in the natal chart anyway Okay. So it's somebody who's like, man, you know, um, I want to make a talisman to be better known within my community for the works that I produce. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm, you probably have a debilitated son or a debilitated 10th house lord. And like, that's probably about as far as my mind goes. So like that issue is in the natal chart. But the reason why we're going magical about it is because we're trying to circumvent or correct it. Got it. Okay. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me so much where say if we're making a sun talisman for this individual who has this problem i'm i'm not going to worry so much about oh does the degree of the sun in this in this electional chart for the talisman where does it fall in their natal chart mm -hmm. that's not a super big concern to me but i am worried more about excuse me i'm worried more about things like um you know, who rules the ascendant of their natal chart and how does that play into this? Mm -hmm. Or like, who's the mutant of the figure in their natal chart and what is it doing? And like, why, like what is happening? Um, so there, there are some considerations into it, but then I also think that there is opportunity for um, very specific, very personalized electional charts for talismans to be made that maybe aren't great in general yeah. for people like they're just not super awesome but for some person because of where a planet falls in their like because of like configurations in their natal chart but like for that specific person it might be really fucking awesome mm -hmm. but for everybody else it's like why did you do a talisman with Ju like with jupiter and aquarius like why would like why did you do that like jupiter's not strong in aquarius and it's like oh because you know they have mars and gemini and i got it to trine their mars and so jupiter kind of helps them alleviate mars issues in their life ah okay so kind of like things like that right um but like like i said for most everybody like jupiter and aquarius whoop do you fucking do like mm -hmm. what's that gonna do for you um <laughs> but for like that specific person who has this issue like that might you know take a lot of stress off of their chart in some way so okay. so it's there somewhere and then you have references especially in the picatrix where it's like uh people will where it says that it basically imply well it basically not implies it's pretty pretty blatant in it 
that different planets answer to different people more readily based mm -hmm. on their condition in the natal chart and that like certain planets based on the offices that they hold within the chart can be like their best friend and so it's like oh you know you can't do mars magic very well because mars is fucked up in your chart but you know like saturn magic is really good for you or like you'll do really well um practicing like saturn type magics and so it gives you like this list of allies and enemies and you have to use your allies and kind of like schmooze up to your enemies before they'll oh, be your friend. i think i've kind so of so there's yeah so it's like yeah you know it's natal considerations are always there but it's not like not to the same intensity i would say as like more more um um more secular electional astrology where mm -hmm. i am very concerned with you know what degree is their jupiter in what degree is their mars in? i have to make sure i don't you know use that degree and things like that All right huh that's interesting all right we've been talking for about an hour so i think that's a good amount of material and i'm wondering if the listeners want to find you online where oh. should they look well they can find me on twitter um i've been more active there lately and it's just at ryan butler so that's me um my website has a facebook page if you want to go and look at that i tend to post i'm my, my thoughts are on twitter which is always a little dangerous um, okay and your website and then, is uh, modern astrology yeah a, yeah um, and you're not a modern astrologer <laughs> no my uh so my website is medievalastrologyguide.com oh, medieval astrology people, guide that's right yeah, I have a lot of people who think I'm saying medieval astrology guy. I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not what it is. Um, so medievalastrologyguide.com. Um, it's my website. And then I'm on Twitter uh, at Ryan Butler. Facebook. I uh, Facebook with medieval astrology guide. And I have an Instagram account, but it's mostly just um, uh, cat pictures and then like um, magic pictures. So if you like either of those things or both of those things. Okay. Go check that out. And that's at Medieval Astro Guide, I think. Medieval Astro Guide. Cool. Well, thanks. This has been really uh, enlightening. I, I learned a lot of stuff and I have I hope so. I, hope so. I have like a zillion more questions. That's do it. Let's now go. that I know how to find you online. <laughs> no, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um well, I mean, it'd be great to have like a follow-up episode where maybe we'd like sure. talk about some Pictrix stuff and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh yeah. And what, wait, hold on a second. We should talk about your podcast. Oh yeah. With Nina. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, more recently, Nina Griffin, who does Griffin astrology, she's, she's amazing. Um, and I have picked up um, doing a bi-monthly, bi-monthly? No, that means twice, like every two months, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, bi-weekly a bi-weekly podcast called starstruck um a podcast on traditional astrology and magic and excuse me that was so nina and i had actually done a podcast before in the past together uh mm -hmm. with another astrologer wade caves we were doing a um a um like a joint workshop kind of thing mm -hmm. so we did a podcast kind of um basically advertising that <laughs> Um, but then, so we did it for a while and then the event came and happened and then Wade had to step away from it. So Nina and I 
did it for a bit longer and then Nina had to step away from it for uh, because of personal reasons. And then I didn't want to do it by myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got lonely. Um, but then more recently, um, sometime before uh, the more recent United Astrology Conference in May, she reached out to me. She was like, hey, do you want to do a podcast again? And I was like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would do that. Um, so, yeah, we, we picked that back up a few, uh, like a, a month or two ago. And we release on the full and new moons. Okay. So I have to edit uh, an episode after this. <laughs> oh, yeah. The and, new moons, uh, what, tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow. Yep. Ah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, we just kind of cover topics about traditional astrology and, you know, traditional astrological magic. And we try to um, – we, we have, like, a few different little segments in it where we do – one of them is, like, we do, like, a book review kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book reviews – are not always nice, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you know, we, 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 that's another platform where we talk about elections coming up uh, kind of in the near future for people who want to take advantage of them or, you know, want to get started. We, we do, we do that there because that's apparently my brand now, which is fine. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, we just, we try to have like a discussion topic about something um, happening either kind of currently, which we don't do very much, um, or just like some kind of topic within traditional, like with about either traditional astrology or magic, like we did an episode on our, our most recent one that we did is like different talismanic things you can make. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just try to just try to entertain ourselves yeah. a little bit. Um, and I try not to get uh, interrupted by cats as, as much as possible. I like While the cat interruptions. I think that's a great feature. I listened to your first, <laughs> I listened to you guys' first episode, and I thought it was really good. So I'm yeah, looking yeah. forward to getting more. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I'm looking forward to kind of where else we go with it, and I'm, um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to when we start, um, when we bring other people, when we bring guests on to, mm-hmm. to argue with about things. Um, so but that'll be fun. I'm ex- I'm excited about about getting it started again. About well, I'm excited mostly with working with Nina again because she's always really fun. Yeah. Um, to get to get a project going with. Cool. Well, thank you. Well, thanks for coming on to my podcast, and thanks yeah, for absolutely for answering um all of these questions and giving so much awesome information. I, mean, I feel like I didn't actually answer that many questions. I feel like I mostly just rambled on. About- um, that's because <laughs> the questions were things that were like. They, they 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 let you ramble. They they were ram- rambling enabled questions. <laughs> rambling enabled questions. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'll uh, I'll direct people to your podcast. It's Starstruck. That's called yeah. Starstruck. And uh, and all of your stuff. And um, I look forward to talking to you again about more of this stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to it. That was Ryan Butler, Master Astrologer and Cat Wizard. Uh, After we stopped recording, we kept talking, and Ryan was like, I hope you're recording this! So I started recording again. So on on the Arniemancy Patreon, there is bonus material where Ryan and I talk about moon magic, eclipse magic, and Wicca. It's about 20 to 30 minutes, and then the construction noise got so bad that I had to stop recording. But it's some pretty good material, and um, we both were getting pretty comfortable, so it's some very frank and honest conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. All right, My Alchemical Bromance. You can find us online at myalchemicalbromance.com. 
You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, all that kind of stuff. Please, if you're a subscriber and you're enjoying the show, give us a rating. You know what? If you don't enjoy the show, give us a rating. Uh, we, we can take it. Uh, remember to support us on Patreon. You'll get bonus content like the extra bits from this episode. It's only a dollar a month, and it's on patreon.com slash arnamancy. All right, we'll see you next time, and I want you to know that this year's MabCon is coming up. I've got a trip planned to Seattle to visit uh, Matt Anthony, one of my co-hosts, and we're going to drink beer. We're going to go to the second annual Esotericism and Freemasonry Conference, and who knows, maybe we'll get outside and, and wax philosophical in the woods like we did last time I visited. I'm looking forward to it. I think you should too. Those episodes will probably be out in late October, early November, so make sure to keep tuning in, and we'll see you next time. 